On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk about the similarities between narcissistic abuse and the psychology of slot machines. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today we are going to talk about addiction, intermittent reinforcement, a little bit of cognitive dissonance, and their contribution to trauma bonds. And we're also going to be discussing the psychology of the casino and slot machines as well as a better way for you to understand all of this or just to kind of give you a, an analogy of what you are dealing with. So before we begin, I just want to say if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. Click on that button and read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And also, we're doing an initiative where... Uh, We want survivors to send us their eBay shops, their uh, Etsy shops, whatever shop you have, whatever service you are providing for people. We want to create a portal for people to click on your shops and to be able to go through and shop from you or use your service. We want to help people who are trying to get out of their situations that are trying to squirrel away money or, you know, you're out of your situation. You're just trying to live and put food on the table for you and, and your kids and, and put a roof over your head. So please email us with your with your shops or your services. And when we redo our website, we're going to have this new portal page and we're going to really do a campaign to start getting people to, to shop from you. So that is what's kind of going on there with a little initiative that we are doing. But today, right now, we are going to kind of just delve into this. I just want to do a few uh, definitions right off the bat so we can just get them out of the way. I'll probably at one point during this episode repeat myself, but let's just do this right now. So the definition of addiction. Addiction is defined as not having control over doing, taking, or using something to the point where it could be harmful to you. Uh, then we have intermittent reinforcement. And intermittent reinforcement is the delivery of reward at irregular intervals, a method that has been determined to yield the greatest effort from the subject. And the subject does not receive a reward each time they perform a desired behavior or according to any regular schedule, but at seemingly random intervals. And then we have cognitive dissonance is used to describe the mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs, values, or attitudes, and people tend to seek consistency in their attitudes and perceptions. So this conflict causes feelings of unease or discomfort. So those are our big three definitions for this episode because we're going to be diving into this a little bit. So, so if you've listened to the show a lot or since its inception, you've heard me say so many times that I see things through an addiction lens. So I thought that was the best way to explain intermittent reinforcement through gambling, the casino, 
and uh, the slot machine specifically. So I guess before we get really into the slot machines, um, let me just talk uh, one second about the casino. And this is from an actual casino operator, someone that works there. This is, this is, I'm reading this from what they said. So the initial attraction is the artwork of the game, the sounds, the colors, the curves, the shapes. But when someone plays a game once, they come back to it based on how the game played, not for the color or the shape or, or the sounds or the curves. But there is this other psychology that goes along with this, and that is that people want to feel comfortable. You want to make sure that you have a great staff there to service them so they don't leave. And if they do leave, they know that where they were taken care of, so they'll come back to that spot. It's very important that they are comfortable while they are playing. That is the real trick. You have to make people want to be there. And... That right there is pretty interesting to me. You know, they are sucking you in with these sounds and the way something looks, and they're making it attractive and appealing. It catches your eye. And then once you are there, uh, we'll get into the intermittent reinforcement of the whole entire game. Uh, they just want you to be feel comfortable. So while you are there, even though something bad might be going on within the game, which is its own separate thing, because there's bad things and good things going on within the actual game, you are being treated very well while that is going on. You're getting this comfortability that is around you. And a lot of the times when we're talking about relationships, we're talking about cognitive dissonance. We're talking about this bad thing is happening, but I'm being comforted in this way. I'm being taken care of in that way, but they're taking my money over here. That's exactly what is going on here and how the casino, outside of the actual game itself, how they are keeping you at that game with their customer service. And it's, as I said before, it's a cognitive uh, dissonance. These two things, these beliefs that this is bad, I should be getting up and, and moving away from this game. Oh, I'm being taken care of while I'm sitting here, but they're taking all of my money. Think about that. That's, that's what's going on in, in your relationships. And this is just the beginning. Like This is like pretty much what I've just described here is like the initial moment when you got there and then like the point where you're kind of leaving there's the whole aspect of playing the game still and we're now going to get into that right now. And one thing that I do want to point out because I just noted it myself is that I'm using the word game a lot. And that's to me interesting that I'm saying that because you don't realize that you are in a game when you are in these abusive relationships. But you are playing a game, you just don't know it. And the other person is playing a game and you are just the victim of, of what is actually going on. So now I'm going to get more into gambling and, and slot machines and everything that's kind of going on with in this. And we're going to start off again with cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance is actually what helps people gamble. Because as a gambler, uh, you know that you are going to lose, yet you still gamble. I like to gamble. I'll still gamble. I know I'm going to lose, but I still gamble. 
So cognitive dissonance makes gamblers disassociate themselves from the knowledge that they will lose money playing games in a casino. So with slot machines, they have something called a return to player rating. So casino is required to have this information accessible and the rating is based on $100 spent gambling and it appears as a percentage figure. So a slot machine has a return to player rating of 96%. And that means that a gambler who puts $100 into that slot machine at best at best has the possibility of making $96 of that amount of money in winnings back. However, and this is the big however, larger payouts do happen. And that is what fuels the big hopes of people, the big dreams of people who choose to ignore the fact that the machine that they are sitting at is designed to make them lose money. So when you listen to that and that big payout that you're hoping for, when you translate that to if this was an abusive relationship, that big hope, I mean, that is the carrot that the abuser might be dangling in front of you. That might be the future faking that happened early on, these things that you were promised that's what's going on here with with that big hope of uh, of the payout but in between all of that because you know the big payout is you know, how many people get that payout very 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 few people get that large crazy payout but within that you're trying to get that big payout these little wins might happen then you go on these bad runs then you'll get this little tiny win to make you feel like you're you're winning and then these then you'll go on the, the bad run and you might get like a win 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 but they're very small and then going on so it's these dwindling returns you're you're getting and sometimes it becomes these long stretches before you even get these little tiny wins again so when I sit here and, and talk about it, it really sounds like when I say it out loud, it's like a push and pull of of these abusive relationships that you are in and you're kind of going back and forth. It's very rare that you're just going to lose all of your money in one sitting, in one row. There's no psychology behind that. That means you're not going to come back to that at all. They want you to sit there for a little bit. You're, you're, not, you're not going to get your money back, but they're going to give you the feeling that you've been there for a bit and that there was some enjoyment going on and that the biggest thing that they want is that your, your dopamine is being triggered. So let's get into dopamine. Uh, your brain rewards you for a lot of different things, and that can be something as simple as eating something that you like or just doing something that makes you feel good. The neurotransmitter that gets fired in your brain is called dopamine, and it is the chemical messenger. When released, it gives you pleasure in the form of euphoria. So the way in which slot machines operate, they trigger these waves of euphoria to players who sit in front of them endlessly. Each time the brain of a slot player gets another shot of dopamine from the jackpot, a bonus, a free spin, anything along those lines, the player begins to form a mental connection between the slot machines and feeling good. The problem here is that eventually a player will just keep on hitting like the spin button or they'll just keep on pulling that lever. I've been, I've done that many, many times in my life, uh, even while uh, losing. And it's an attempt to chase after the dopamine rush. And all this time, people who are sitting down and playing these games don't even realize that that is what's going on, that these chemical things are actually going on at all. And 
you know, with addiction and how we see things through the addiction lens. And if you've ever been a drug addict, a lot of time people will say when you take that first hit of whatever it is, you're always chasing that feeling. The feeling's never as good as the first time. So you're just really chasing this feeling. And when we talk about uh, relationships and toxic relationships and relationships with abusers, a lot of people are hoping that things will go back to the way it was, chasing that feeling that they initially got. Uh, so as things start getting worse and worse and worse, they're maybe making excuses for what's going on. And even though they're in this scenario that's not that great and the winning is, or that feeling is is becoming less and less, it's harder to catch that feeling until you have no money left in a lot of these situations. So while you are slowly losing your money in this situation on the slots and you're getting this intermittent reinforcement from sometimes winning these small amounts and then going on a losing run and sometimes winning on a small amount, there's an other trick that is going on. And that has to do with the buttons that has to do with the reels, that has to do with the, the levers, and also some of the noises that could be going on uh, around you a- as well. And it's a really uh, big trick. When it comes to those buttons and the levers and all of those things that are going on, the different visual displays, because the reels are always changing, the numbers or whatever that's going on in the machine are always changing, but you're still playing the game. You're still pressing those buttons. And I really started to think about those buttons. Like, what are those? You're still getting a dopamine rush from those buttons, even though you are losing. So in my mind, when you're trying to relate this to a relationship, an abusive relationship, this is partly cognitive dissonance, but it's also actions that are not matching words. Where you're hearing the words of someone, and that is reinforcing to you. And that's what those buttons are. That's what those reels are. That's what, um, you know, that lever is. Those are the words being told to you. But the action is the outcome of you losing. Sometimes you'll get a win here or there. Sometimes you'll get a win. There's a bit of the intermittent reinforcement. But those buttons are a way to control you. Those buttons are the way to smooth you over. They're lighting things up. It's everything that you want to hear. Like pressing that button uh, or, or pulling that reel on a slot machine is technically the equivalent of someone saying, okay, I will go to therapy for you. They're going to give you that, but then they never go to therapy and you lose anyway. But it's all of those things where uh, you know, pressing a button is you getting um, flowers, those are the things that those buttons are. That's what that represents. And yet the outcome is you are going to lose all your money. So the slot machine really is an abusive relationship uh, when you start looking at things from, from these angles. So now you're really stuck at this machine. You are in this relationship and it is very difficult to leave that machine with any of your money. Uh, for the most part, you're going to lose a little bit, a tiny bit. That's what the odds say. A lot of the times you're going to leave with absolutely nothing. And they, you know, they use the, the sounds, the graphics. They immerse you into the gameplay. 
you know, the idea behind the specific theme uh, music and the color scheme for every machine is to be more attractive than ever anything else that's in the casino. Uh, it's why the jackpot sound is so loud. They flash, they pulsate. That's why the sounds of the coins dropping, the blinking lights, the sounds of sirens, all of these things are kind of like, you know, your gut is telling you that this isn't a good thing and these things are overriding your gut at the same time. They're just so attractive. You, 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 you can't see what is actually going on. So I just noticed that I used the word immersed and I think that's a really interesting word that I used because in a lot of ways what's going on here is you're being isolated while using this machine, while you're playing the slot machine. You have cognitive dissonance going on, you have this intermittent reinforcement going on, you are locked inside the situation where you are losing your money and in a way you're being abused if you're relating this to the relationship and in the outside of, of that game, as I mentioned earlier, earlier, the casino is trying to make you feel as comfortable as possible so you don't leave. So there's this other layer going on outside of it to keep you there in that spot so you don't leave. So you have two layers going on here to like put you into this isolated bubble so you stay at that machine. So in a way, this is, you're getting isolated here as well. I mean, the slot machine really is... um, you know, and, and a truly abusive relationship. And I guess before we get into the trauma bond aspects of things, uh, this psychology that is being used here, this psychology of the slot machine is also being replicated by social media. It is in Instagram and it is in TikTok as, as well. And they're using this psychology, you just don't know it, to keep you there, especially when you're creating videos on TikTok. I don't know if anyone has ever noticed, but that your initial videos, they get you right away. Your initial videos on TikTok get boosted. So it looks like you're getting, they're kind of freeing it up the way the algorithm works. It's it's an algorithm. It's a very simple algorithm actually, but the way it works initially they make all the doors open easily for you for people to view your videos. So you get this this dopamine fix that you're doing well and that everything is going great and that it's easy to make these videos that people are going to see. Uh, and then after, uh, it becomes that much harder to do. But they want you to keep making videos on TikTok. And that is a trick of getting people to create content for them. And to continue to do it, they're getting this dopamine fix and they're getting this rush from the first time. So they've, they're, now they're going to stay on the system to get that again. And then they're on there and they're watching other people's things and boom, boom, boom. There you go. You have a social network. And it's not a healthy one to, <laughs> to be on. So I went off on a little bit of a tangent there. So when it comes to um, trauma bonds, I'm going to discuss a lot here from a book called Out of the Fog, which is by Dana Morningstar. I think it's a great book. And so we're going to discuss things about the trauma bond because uh, everything we discussed before, intermittent reinforcement plays a crucial element to the trauma bond. So Dana Morningstar has five elements that are often present during the creation of a trauma bond. 
And number one is that there is a one-sided dynamic where one person is controlling and the other is being controlled, but they may not realize it. And if you think about the, the slot machine uh, scenario that we just brought up, the person who's sitting at that slot machine does not really realize that they are about to be completely controlled and lose all of their money or uh, not all their money sometimes, but a bit of their money. A number two on this list of five elements that are often present during the creation of a trauma bond is uh, the abusive behavior is sporadic and is characterized by intermittent reinforcement where the good times are really good and that the bad times are really bad. Uh, Number three is the victim experiences extreme mental distress and confusion, which is the cognitive dissonance, and denies what is going on to themselves in order to convince themselves that the relationship can survive, as well as so they can protect themselves emotionally to avoid an emotional collapse. And during... Uh, Either psychological or physical abuse, disassociation is often present where the victim feels like this isn't happening to them. They might feel as if they're in a movie or in a state of shock. Disassociating from what's going on allows the victim to compartmentalize the abusive aspects of the relationship in order to focus on and stay for the positive aspects of what what is going on. This is done by rationalizing and normalizing what they are experiencing, which many victims do by telling themselves things like, it could always be worse, no one is perfect, it's due to their childhood, or it's partly or all my fault. And number four on our list is the more invested, which is like physically, emotionally, and financially invested a person is in the relationship, the more driven they will be in order to stay. And in turn, the more driven they will be to defend what they are experiencing. So in order to smooth over the mental distress and the resulting confusion that they are experiencing, they might tell themselves that they are staying because this is what commitment is all about. And they might further reinforce this belief by becoming more invested in things like their faith. They might start going to therapy, uh, really deep dive into self-help books, uh, sign up for like, a marriage retreat uh, to figure out how they can learn to trust again, to be a better partner, uh, thinking to themselves, if they just change themselves, then the relationship can uh, be saved. Because in this scenario, if leaving is out of the question, then they're going to, the victim is going to have to justify to themselves why they are staying. And the easiest way to do that is to make the issue uh, their fault. Because when something is their fault, in a way, they might have control over uh, things changing. And it's this real big false sense of control because they aren't responsible or you are not responsible for your uh, partner's, your abusive partner's treatment of you. When it comes to number three and number four on this list, specifically when it comes to the show and hearing so many people's stories in the four years that I've been doing this, uh, you know, a lot of, a big part of the show is to um, feel less shame about 
staying and uh, why you stayed. And there's the psychology behind why you stayed. And the psychology could be different of the buttons that might be pressed on you as to why you stay, what was dangling in front of you, uh, the things uh, that are going on, justifications that are being uh, made. And uh, early on saying things like no one is perfect for for number three on this list. Uh, It's due to their childhood. You know, these excuses that are done, you know, trying to rationalize what is happening and making sense of your situation. There's so much going on here within this trauma bond. Uh, You know, it's not your fault that this happened to you. And there was this whole manipulation that occurred earlier, as I explained earlier, when it comes to how a slot machine works, you're being set at this machine and it's a game and you don't realize that you're playing a game and that you're being bonded to this person to keep you there, to stay there. And they're sowing the seeds of doubts and all these things going around with gaslighting to, to keep you in, in this, in, in this spot. And number five on the list is the worse the victim is treated, the more they have to justify themselves to why they are staying. And they might avoid others uh, who have issues uh, with their abusive partner because this can continue. Like contribute to their mental distress. They also might be inclined to surround themselves with people who support their decisions about their abusive partner a- as well in creating this system that is uh, dysfunctional um, with you know possible beliefs that are just not healthy um, for this uh, commitment in this relationship at all. So those were the five elements that are often present during the creation of a trauma bond. And now we are going to discuss the signs of a trauma bond, uh, the signs that you might be suffering. uh, And these are some of the following behaviors that you might be uh, exhibiting. Number one, uh, you know they are abusive and manipulative, but you can't seem to let go. You ruminate over the incidents of abuse, engage in self-blame, and the abuser becomes the sole arbiter of your self-esteem and self-worth. Uh, two, uh, you walk on eggshells trying to please your abuser even though they give you little in return except for crumbs of affection and more pain. Uh, Three, you feel addicted to them without understanding why. You need their validation and approval, and you look to them as your source of comfort after incidents of abuse. And that's addiction right there. When the only thing that can uh, make something better is is the thing that's making things worse. That's a really big one right there. And number four, you defend your abuser and keep their transgressions a secret. You might refuse to press charges against your abuser or defend them against family members or friends who try to tell you that they are toxic. You may even present your relationship as a happy one to the public eye and you attempt to minimize their abuse or their behavior and you romanticize or exaggerate any positive behaviors that might be uh, going on. Um, but they might not be going on a lot, but you will prop those up more than the abusive behaviors that are going on as a smokescreen. Uh, number five, even when you attempt to leave the abuser, you give into the abuser's fake remorse, their c- crocodile tears, and claims to change in, in the future, the pattern of abuse and its cycle 
uh, may be evident, but you hold on to the false hope that things could get better. Number six on the list of signs that you are trauma bonded, you develop self-sabotaging behaviors and might engage in some form of self-harm or addictions to disassociate from the pain of the abuse and the acute sense of shame caused by the abuse. Uh, number seven, you are willing to lower your standards uh, time and time again for this abusive person, uh, accepting what you previously believed was unacceptable. We hear that a lot on the show. And uh, number eight, uh, the last one on our list, you change your own behaviors, appearance, or personality in an attempt to meet the abuser's moving goalposts, although the abuser rarely changes their own behavior to please you. And... If you're going through this right now and you're and you're listening to this and you're and you're really identifying with everything that we stated here about the trauma bond and the intermittent reinforcement and the cognitive uh, dissonance as well and, and you're feeling like you're addicted to your partner and all of this is really making sense. I just want you to know that you're not alone. There's a community of people out there just like you. They're all listening to the show right now. And if you are struggling and you need help, uh, please do reach out to a domestic violence agency or call the hotline, uh, the domestic violence hotline. You can also go on the computer to the hotline.org uh, to find uh, that. You can go to domesticshelters.org and find all the numbers uh, and websites and emails for the domestic violence agencies and shelters in your area. And please do uh, do that safely. It's very important that you do all of that very safely. And I hope this episode was also helpful in, in trying to recognize what's going on or what happened to you with the cognitive dissonance, with the uh, trauma bonding, with the intermittent reinforcement. So that's this episode. If you need more uh, validation, do li- please do listen to our Survivor Story episodes. Uh, those episodes are, are very validating for, for everyone. You get to hear people's real experience in the moment, um, what they went through. They really deep dive on their feelings and really help you understand um, feelings that you might have had that you weren't able to put into uh, words yet and start giving you a, a vocabulary and a dialogue to help make sense of things uh, yourself. So uh, a big thank you to everyone for listening today. And if you want to be a guest on our show, our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page is the button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. Please read all the instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And also at our website, we have our very own support group. Top of the page at NarcissistApocalypse.com, it says support group. Click on that button. It takes you to our very own safe social network. There we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. We have forum boards for you to post on and for fellow survivors to validate your experience and comfort you and support you. We have episodes that never made it to air. We have ad-free episodes as well. So please do join our support group today. And if you need even more support, please do go visit our friends at domesticshelters.org. There they have articles and resources to help you make sense of what you are going through. They have every phone number, email address, and website address of every shelter, big town, small town, doesn't matter. They are there at domesticshelters.org. It is a wonderful organization. And that is it for our show. So I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode and found it useful and helpful. And with that being said, I hope 
you have a good night.